Hello and welcome to the Collect Your Life Incorporated podcast. This is episode three of season three. Three for three. Okay. I am your host, Janessa A. Henderson, and I'm so glad you decided to join us. So this uh, episode is a part of a series. I believe it's going to be four parts. That's what I'm being feeling led um, by the Lord to do a four-part series and the first part is today so being a black woman because period all right so um let's get into it okay so as you know if you don't know I don't know where you been I am black, okay? (laughs) I am proud black woman, okay? Um, But I'm more proud to be a kingdom woman, okay? Kingdom citizen. I'm more proud to be that. But I am, you know, a black woman in America. So, that being said, there are certain things that I feel need to be uh, feel pressed upon me to say um so let's get into it all right so this episode is kind of like the preliminaries um of what we'll talk about but so for all my life <laughs> I've been black <laughs> um and not understanding like the weight that's on black women's shoulders and like the era uh, or like the the what is it um ooh the word my words have have escaped me but basically the stigma that's it that's the word I'm looking for the stigma that black women hold with uh within ourselves really if we being honest um within our own race within other races and just in general so growing up i saw my mom be the best mother ever period that what she could be you know um with what she knew um and i remember her always instilling in me the importance of an education. Like, I just remember that distinctly. And I promise I'm going to make a tie-in with being a black woman. And she was just like, that's something nobody ever could take from you. My Her and my dad, they always instilled in us education, education, as far as us being black children in America. Um, of course, our main thing they taught us uh, to have a relationship with Christ 
But after the, right after that, it was get your education. Like it was your relationship with God. And then the next thing was education. It was drilled in us. My mom went to school for four years. She didn't finish. She had issues. And that alone, we may get to on another part about black women in education because I've had my own issues as well. Um, so basically education was stressed and I knew at a young age that I was different. Like by the color of my skin, you know, just being the only one in the school, <laughs> sometimes the only black girl and always getting told, like asked why, um, why my hair was like it was, like just people trying to touch my hair. Um, I also remember somebody doing, so I was the only black um, until I got to high school in a lot of my classes. Um, black girl. And so I would, it was one particular thing. Somebody did something to me. It was in elementary school. They said something crazy to me. And I knew then I had to watch how I responded because it was going to be perceived like I was the aggressor. Um, a lot of times we're seen as the aggressive, you know, like the angry black woman, the angry this, like we're always angry when we're expressing ourselves. Um, and I can't remember who said this. And I will find out on the next episode. But uh, someone says to be black is already, you know, a trouble. But to be a woman, too, is a trouble. I forgot what black woman said it. I don't know. And I don't want to misquote. But some great black woman said that. And I was like, wow, that is so, you know, true. And I'm raising a young black queen out here. And it is true because even in, and so this episode, I'm going to talk mainly about um, black women in health, with our health. Uh, so basically, um, all my life, <laughs> I've been dealing with, you know, having, of course, having to go to the doctor or whatever. And... Um, when I was 12, I was diagnosed with diabetes um, and everything. And just having to advocate for the right team for myself or people to actually listen to me. Because as women of color, and I've experienced this on so many levels, not just, um, not just like on the outside looking in like, oh, you know, that can happen. No, I've experienced it on so many levels um, as a preteen, as a teenager, as a adult, you know, like I have experienced it uh, firsthand. So when I first got diabetes at 12, um, the stigma with diabetes is that, you know, you eat a lot of junk and you do this, you do that. But that wasn't the case for me. Mine was hereditary. They had actually put my particular sample or whatever 
of diabetes, whatever. They they tested my blood and sent it off to make sure what type I was. They typed it and they said, oh, it's hereditary. It is type two or whatever. This is what they said, you know, whatever. We got the results or whatever. So my diabetes wasn't because I was eating in like a lot of diabetes ain't because you be eating anyway. Um, you're just eating incorrectly. And you could be eating fruits and vegetables and just have too many carbohydrates. But anyway, so um, I remember endocrinologists um, at a young age not listening to me. Um, I was 12, 13, and I was like, I, this medicine, metformin is not working for me. My mom was telling them, and nobody was listening. So then we moved to somebody else. Um, I actually got a black doctor. And I can't remember her name. And I hate that I can't remember her name. Um, but she was awesome. She was the best. So she got me another medicine or whatever that worked better for me. So then... I moved and had to get new doctors or she moved or something. She moved, I think, from that practice. And then our insurance wasn't taken wherever she was or whatever the case. And so um, my diabetes was pretty under control when I was in high school for the most part. Then when I got to college, that's where it kind of went back haywire because I was off at school and I wasn't being treated um, regularly or going, you know, regularly. And so, um, I had a particular doctor, um, for my primary care and I was telling him things about my ankles and stuff. This was after I graduated and I had moved back home to uh, Memphis and I was telling him particular things. He just wasn't listening. And this was like 2018 and like, it was stuff that he would say they irritated me, but I kind of just held it in and I was like, you know what, I'm going to be okay. But then when I went to, I had to go to like the ER um, because I had a lot of stress going on that summer. Like literally y'all, I had to have a stress test. I had issues going on. Like I really didn't know what was going on. So I was thankful enough, blessed to have, and I'm not saying, and this is why representation matters to me uh, as far as a black woman in America, because having a black doctor is really important. Um, all the doctors I have are not black, but they're advocates for black women. So stay with me. Not all my doctors are black, and I'm not saying I have to have a doctor that's black at all, but when they are, it's an added bonus for me. And if you're a black woman or a black person, you can agree with that. Even if you're not black and you understand the struggle of black health, people with, you know, dealing with black health and people not listening to us, you understand. So, um, I, they put me in with this cardiologist and she's black. And she was telling me why my ankles were swollen like they were. <clears throat> and 
she was like because you have too much insulin in your body and it's uh insulin retains water and we'll put you on the fluid pill and she was like i'm surprised your primary care doctor didn't do this and he was just increasing like he looked he didn't even do any tests he literally touched my ankle and that was it so i went to him in may y'all may of 2019 i had to go to the hospital for the er to the er to have the stress test and got linked up with my cardiologist in june of 2019 the next month so therefore i fired him because he increased my insulin not doing any tests on like my heart or anything like that just increased my insulin and he was like she was like this insulin is a water retention. He should have put you on X, Y, and Z. That's a simple thing. So, you know, I fired him because I was already fed up with him anyway. And then my mother was, my mother had the same doctor and she was telling him things about her and it irritated me that he ignored signs with her too. So, that was her but for me when he just increased my stuff instead of actually running tests doing an ekg none of, didn't do none of that uh didn't order me to go see and knowing that my family has a history of heart disease did not did not try to you know check these things out so boom um that was june of 2018 I then um, fired him and I found another PCP. She was awesome and everything. And she's the reason why I have my endocrinologist I have. And again, my PCP is not black, but she's not. She listens to black people. <laughs> Same with my endocrinologist. She's not black, but she listens to the concerns of her patients, no matter the color. I'll say that. So um, that's why I'm saying this is not a you got to have a black doctor situation because not that's not the case for me. As for me and my doctors and my care team, I have a good fit. So going back to like 2015, 2014, um, I had gotten married. And I was starting, you know, the childbearing, you know, trying to look at the childbearing stuff. And I had a particular OB who was negative, Nancy. She was, because I was diabetic, she was like, you're going to be high risk, you're going to be that. She was just speaking negativity, negativity into my life, into my future. Um, I had been going to her for a while before I got married and everything. Um and i have been telling her of a particular issue with my periods but yet she didn't do anything about it until i like one day i got loud in the office i said i am having heavy periods i'm sorry if it's this getting graphic but this as much as i can say but i was like i'm having heavy periods and then just for me raising my voice she ordered me to have an ultrasound 
ultrasound reveals that I have fibroids. However, comma, I don't know this because I had to call the office. I get the, the medical assistant or the office manager and they're telling me, yeah, your chart says she has, you have fibroids. I was like, okay, so what does that mean? What are fibroids? Like, I don't know anything about this. I'm like, shouldn't my doctor be having this conversation with me? No, she didn't. Not a nurse, not anybody had a conversation with me, but the office manager telling me that I have fibroids and oh, she wants you on birth control, but you know I'm trying to conceive. Make it make sense. So that's the first thing they try to put you on. So then I start a new job um, and I met a great friend, Carmen Mott. She's now Barfield. Um, shout out to you, Carmen. Um, I was asking her, I was like, I need an OB. I need an OB. And she was like, I go to this guy. I was like, a guy? It's like, I don't know about that. Like, I really had reservations. But y'all, I'm so glad I went to him. So my first appointment, and it's ironic that I'm recording this and talking about him uh, now because I actually have an appointment with him tomorrow for like a follow-up. Well, not a follow-up, just my regular checkup. But anyway, so I go to him. It's like night and day from the other OB. So he's nice and he's just understanding. He's listening to every need. He listens to me and when I'm saying, well, I'm, I'm trying to conceive eventually. Like I want a child. I don't want to wait, I know, I know I'm, you know, eventually want to try. Uh, well, I mean, not want to try, well, we're trying, you know. And so he was like, well, we can look at your fibroids. I said, I don't know. I, I was told I have fibroids, but I don't know what they look like, how big they are. I don't know where they are. Cause he was asking me, um, you know, where they are. I said, I don't know anything. Like she didn't sit down and tell me anything. He was like, don't worry about it. We got our own people. So I go in there. It's a it's like the like the most heartfelt. <laughs> it's the best experience you can have. You know, because this is sensitive anyway. This is this is childbearing and a lot of people um put fibroids and fertility tea together and that's not the case. Um so anyway, I go I see the fibroids. I'm like, dang, they small. You know, like <laughs> everything. And like the sonographers telling me everything. And so then I go in and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's it. No, my doctor explains everything to me, looks at the pictures, showing me the pictures. Like, okay, so the biggest one is the size of your fingernail. And it's not in the way of any fallopian tubes. It's not causing you not to get pregnant. None of it. And all this time, I'm thinking, I'm the problem, you know? And so, um, fast forward to 2018, after I have the stress test that I mentioned earlier. So, I had the stress test in June. My cardiologist has me on fluid pills because my ankles were getting big. 
So then, boom, in the fall of 2018, I get pregnant. And I go to my OB. He does A1C. He was like, when was the last time you had A1C? I said, I don't know. Like, I knew my diabetes was not in control. I was trying to get it under control, but I couldn't get to the endocrinologist that my PCP had recommended, the one I have now, until January because she was that highly sought off. And I didn't want to go to anybody else because I trusted my PCP. She's never steered me wrong. So um, he was like, well, since you don't have an appointment until then, I'm going to need you to get your diabetes together. Because my diabetes, my A1C was like 10, 11, something like that. 11 something, 10 something. I can't remember. It was in between one of those. And that's off the charts bad, okay? If you don't know. So then, um, but he never once said, he was like, we got to get this down so you don't be high risk. He said, we're not claiming high risk. But he never said, oh, you're going to be high risk. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. He never said that. He never spoke that over me. And so I go um, throughout that first and second trip, well, you know, up until January. And by the time I went to the endocrinologist for the first time, my diabetes is like seven. And that is a drastic change, a drastic improvement. So I'm improving and she's telling me, okay, we got it. We want to get it down lower because we don't want your baby to be, we don't want Carrie to be overweight. Um, Because usually a lot of diabetics have overweight kids and we don't want her to be overweight. Because usually that means if she's over a certain pound, she might be already, you know, genetically or whatever the case marked for having a disease or diabetes or something like that and so i go throughout pregnancy my doctor is supportive all my my team is supportive okay and so long story short i have carrie uh at emergency i had low low high blood pressure uh preeclampsia um have her um i have a c-section and carries out and I'm like, okay. And my doctor is telling the other doctor, I'm not giving her a hysterectomy. I was like, what's going on? Cause he knew I wanted more kids. And he eventually told me later that my uterus had, you know, the fibroids that were there had grew with my pregnancy. And so basically they could not close my uterus. It was so big. But my thing is if I hadn't spoken up for myself, and gotten him as a doctor and I had to have the other lady, I don't know what would have happened. She probably would have took my, knowing her, she wouldn't even listen to me and took my womb out without, against my wishes and not try to take the fireboys out or anything. So then recently I had a doctor I had to fire. Um, it was a neurologist. I was telling him, about my migraines, they had did it in my eye. They said it was sinus or whatever. So I go back to him for a follow-up because I needed a different medication, one that's not giving me 
making me so drowsy, like, you know, whatever. And so he argues me down, y'all. Like, I don't know what is not just in my chart because I actually asked for my chart records. And most times with doctors, I don't have to, most of my doctors know that the only health issue that I have is diabetes. Only had high blood pressure while I was pregnant with Carrie um, and towards the end, really. Um, and it went right back down to his normal, normal state. And so that's the only thing that I have besides my allergies. So all my doctors listen to me. They're advocates for my health. But he had to be changed because it was like, you're going to tell me. And he was he was talking down to me like I was the scum of the earth and like I was uneducated. Even if I wasn't educated, you still don't talk to a patient like that. I was like, I'm not going to continue this this visit further. I'm going to go see somebody else. When I walked out of there, I felt so defeated. Like I walked out to go talk to the office people. And they got me to talk to the lady who was like over patient relations. I had to get some tissue because I was in there crying because I felt so unheard. I felt so like I'm just a number. I'm not a patient. I'm just some black woman that doesn't know what she's talking about. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if I have two degrees, 12 degrees, no degree. You disrespected me and you thought because you're a doctor, you could talk to me any kind of way. And I said, that's not the case. And I'm looking at my chart, telling you what you said, but you're saying it's a lie. So I'm, I got my chart in my hand and I said, it's just like I already have to fight for people to listen to me. And so the lady listened to me and she got me in with another doctor and y'all, she was a total opposite. She wrote down everything that I said, the issues I had, like I loved her ethic. Like I loved how she wrote everything down. Like you're dealing with this. It happens this way. It happens this, this, and this. And that's the type of care that we shouldn't have to fight for that, you know? And going back to my birth too, my birthing experience, after I had Carrie, um, and even before, I mostly had great nurses and people who cared for me, except for a couple. Um, there were some, my mom had to be mom and be like, don't let them come back in here. Because they were making my blood pressure go up even higher. Um, they were causing more stress. And they were coming in there uh, telling me what I couldn't. Like just going against what the doctor was telling me that to do. And it was just frustrating to me. Like y'all are not listening to me. And so my mom, I said, anytime any of these nurses don't listen to what I'm saying, or anybody doesn't listen to what I'm saying, please get them an order. And so she did. I need you to be my advocate. And I appreciate my mom for that because 
it's so many times because like after that I've seen more recent and more close to home stories of black women not being listened to in when it becomes to um our health and I've experienced I didn't experience it as much like with my doctor or anything but I experienced it with nurses like not listening to what I was saying I said I'm gonna rip my skin off like that whatever anesthesia whatever medicine it was that they give I was gonna rip my skin off and until I found the right person to give me the right thing nobody was listening to me like I couldn't hold my baby. I wanted to hold her. But I'm like, I can't feel my, I can't sit still. Like, this is irritating me. So, finally got somebody to listen to me. And it's like, but why do we have to fight? Why do we have to, when we're going to places where we're trying to get help, where we're trying to be seen, and then when we raise our voice, when we speak up for ourselves, we're looked at as the problem. And that's not just in, when we speak up for ourselves, not just in in our in a doctor's office, it's in our workplaces, it's in like a store. If we just speak up for ourselves and defend ourselves, we're looked at, looked as, as the bad guy. So why is that? Like, why are we still having to fight? Why do we have to fight at all? And this is the question that needs to be answered. Questions that need to be answered. But I do want every woman, black woman, to know when it comes to your help, health, remember. And my nutritionist got me together. He was like, they work for you. Those doctors work for you. So if you have to fire them, fire them. If you have to find somebody else, find somebody else. There's plenty of doctors who can do what they do. And that's what I had to do with my uh, neurologist. When he was talking crazy to me, like I was the scum of the earth, wasn't listening to some, uh, a chart that he wrote with his writing. You know, like with his initials, wasn't looking at that. But you want to argue me down and disrespect me. So make sure whenever you're in health, even like therapists, you have to find the right fit for you. Find the right care team that's going to listen. And I'm just thinking about the next time I have a baby. Um, if the Lord sees fit, you know, the next time I have a baby, how my OB, please, please stay working him and I'm gonna have a doula because the doula is going to do the job of making sure that, that I am cared for properly after, you know, during and afters and I see why people have, even with a great OB, I see why people have a doula. Like, I understand why. And it makes total sense. But make sure um, as you go through life, 
as a black woman or just as a black person, make sure you're advocating for yourself in these doctor's offices. Make sure that you're getting a second opinion and make sure you understand you can get your doctor's notes. Firstly, you paying for it. You can get every record accessible to you and it's, it's supposed to be free. Whatever the doctor writes down, you can get a printout of your, your summary. So make sure you're advocating, make sure you're taking care of yourself and please don't let anybody treat you like a second class citizen. If you feel a certain type of way, get you a second opinion. If I hadn't got a second opinion about my fibroids, I would have been just like, oh, I can't have kids. I can't, can't do this. And fibroids and fertility, fibroids in my case, infertility had nothing to do with each other. They weren't in the way of a fallopian tube. They weren't blocking anything at all. So me getting pregnant had nothing to do with me. So please understand to advocate, advocate for yourself. And if somebody won't listen, go to somebody else. I hope you enjoyed part one of being a black woman basically black maternal health and just black being black with health care going to the doctor i guess that's the title we can say but hopefully this helped you as it helped me and we'll see you on the next time for part two